Hey guys, so um, it's come to my attention that a lot of people are using this podcast series, which is awesome. It was really just a way for me to digitize my own notes, but I'm so glad that you guys are benefiting from it. Um, and please, you know, like contact me with suggestions and critiques. I just kind of made this randomly. Um, my contact information, I think, is in the description of this podcast. Anyway, um, I know there's a review playlist, so let's let's get right into it. I'm going to be talking about non-coding RNA or nCRNA. Um, and this is a functional RNA molecule that goes directly from transcription to its function. In other words, it doesn't perform, tra- it, it's not involved in translation. It, it's not, it doesn't undergo translation. And that sounds really fancy, but in reality, we've actually already talked a lot about this. Um, if you remember from uh, season one, episode two or three-ish, I believe, um, I talked about um, non-coding RNA as a confliction to the central dogma theory. Because the whole idea behind protein synthesis is that we have to do this whole process, transcription, processing, capping, tailing, translation, post-translational modifications, to make functional units known as proteins. That's the whole idea is our body really needs proteins because they're functional. They can do stuff for us. They're like the 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 workers, you know, in, for our body. Um, and so this module is all about molecules that don't need to be proteins to still do work. Okay, they're kind of like, they don't need that last step, that translation step. It's kind of like, you know, um, like, you know, like a mechanic can get work right out of high school. They don't need to do college to get a job. Uh, and this is kind of the same thing. They don't need that extra last translation step at the beginning to be useful or functional. Um, and so ncRNA is actually kind of a broad term. We're going to be talking about five types of ncRNAs. One thing to say, though, and this is going to be recurring in all the examples that I mentioned, is that most ncRNAs actually participate in transcription and translation. In other words, they they pop right out of the transcription process and maybe even processing, uh, and they just go right back in and they, they help now, right? You know, they're formed via transcription and then they assist with transcription of other molecules and even translation of other molecules. And what we see is this is another form of regulation of gene expression at the trans and post-transcription levels. Um, So let's begin. There are five uh, ncRNA types that I'm going to talk about. So these are all molecules that fall under that ncRNA umbrella. Uh, And there are five different ones, each with their own functions, but two of them are really easy. In fact, you already know about them. Uh, So I'm going to kind of go out of order and get those easy ones out of the way. Number one is tRNA, which is transfer RNA. And this uh, this is the RNA molecule. It goes out and fetches the corresponding amino acids based on what the RNA strand, uh, the, the codons from the RNA strand. You already know that. Uh, number two is rRNA or ribosomal RNA, which uh, provides the structure for the ribosome. It literally forms the ribosome. You already know what that is either. Cool. We're already two out of the five. So 40% of the way done. Now I'm going to go to, um, oh, and before I forget, one, one thing you'll notice about um, tRNA and rRNA is that both of those were involved in protein synthesis, right? And I told you at the beginning, most ncRNAs participate in transcription and translation. Um, so number three is microRNA or miRNA. I'm going to call it MRNA though, just, you know, because it's easier to, you know, instead of spelling out the acronym every single time. Um, So MRNA uh, inhibits or interferes with transcription and post-transcription of gene regulation by base pairing with complementary mRNA sequences, okay? Uh, And this results in gene silencing. If if somebody asks you or the MCAT asks you, what do MRNAs do? Say that, you know, they they cause gene silencing, okay? And they do it in, in two ways, translational repression and target degradation. Okay, so translational repression is the binding of a MRNA molecule stops translation. It, it literally obstructs it. 
obstructs it. And let me kind of step away from my notebook for a second, kind of help you, you know, visualize this as much as I can do on a podcast. Um, if you remember from um, uh, season four, episode one, I talked about RNA interference at the end of that episode, um, RNA interference of viral genomes. So we talked about how viral genomes are you know, just the, the, you know, the gene RNA strand, right? And then we use these molecules known as siRNA molecules, short interfering RNA molecules, or CERNAs, we use those to basically bind to the viral genome, because now that it's bound to it, the viral genome can't, uh, can't bind to a ribosome and have it and, and undergo translation, perf- uh, uh, creating proteins, right? So that's kind of the idea is the CERNA molecule literally occupies all the, the viral genomes binding sites. It can't bind now because it's, it's covered by, or it's bound to that CERNA. So it can't be bound to the CERNA and the ribosome. And that, that um, stops the viral, ac- the viral activity. Um, so MRNA actually does the exact same thing. That is trans- translational repression, is that it binds to the mRNA strand. MRNA binds to the mRNA strand to obstruct it, and that stops or prevents translation. Uh, and so, so what we see is CERNA and MRNA actually do almost the exact same thing. Um, but before I go on, I want to make it clear that they're not the same molecules. You know, you might be wondering, how are they related to each other? Is, is CERNA a type of MRNA is, or vice versa? And I'm going to tell you, no, they're not. They're completely different. CERNA is an exogenous molecule. In other words, it originates, it's produced outside of the cell. Um, and it's also a double-stranded RNA molecule, which is interesting because most of them are single-stranded. MRNA, on the other hand, is the exact opposite. It's endogenous, so it's formed on the inside, and it's single-stranded. Uh, so I just want to throw in that in that distinction, but don't forget that both SI and MI RNA, so CERNA and MRNA, both are involved in uh, um, uh, silencing, gene silencing. So they interfere by binding, and that causes gene silencing. Number two, we're not done with MRNA, but it's it's the second one is pretty easy. Uh, is target degradation, and this is the binding of MRNA uh, sends mRNA on a path for degradation. Okay. Um, and so it, it literally kind of marks that mRNA molecule to which it binds. It marks it for death. I've kind of used that before, that, that term marks for death. Uh, if you remember, we were talking about ubiquitination, the, the addition of the ubiquitin protein to mark uh, DNA strands, you know, to be um, digested or, you know, broken apart. Uh, and this is actually the same idea is that MRNA is like a like a, it's, it's a marker that tells the body, kill this one. And that's what happens is the mRNA strand is degraded. Uh, so that's MRNA, right? Uh, we've already talked about rRNA and tRNA. Um, now I'm going to move to two. The last two that I'm going to talk about are actually seemingly very similar. Their names are similar, but they have different, um, they have different roles. So the first one is uh, uh, snRNA, which is small nuclear RNA. Uh, and this is an RNA molecule that's very short in length, and its primary function is processing, mRNA processing, what we already talked about. Uh, so it processes pre-mRNA in the nucleus. Um, it aids in the regulation of transcription factors, and it maintains telomeres. Okay, if you remember telomeres, telomeres, however you pronounce that, uh, telomeres um, are repetitive nucleotide sequences at the end of chromosomes that don't uh, that don't code for anything. They just serve to stop a transcription. Um, they, they signal the end of transcription. Um, so um, snRNAs do all this. They, they help in processing and they also maintain telomeres uh, and they aid in regulation of transcription factors. Um, let, we can go a little deeper into that first thing that I mentioned about how they assist in processing. Um, uh, small nuclear RNAs or SNRNAs 
form complexes with proteins that are called SNRPs, S-N-R-N-Ps. I know that actually sounds like SNRPs, but it's, it's biologically, it's called SNRPs. Like I'm telling you, if you go to Google and type in S-N-R-N-P biology, it, it'll, literally, it'll literally, literally say pronounced SNRPs. Um, and so SNRNPs stand for small nuclear ribonucleic proteins, okay? First thing, this is a protein. We're, this is not an RNA molecule. This is a protein. Um, so uh, the SNRPs are RNA protein complexes. They're like a, a group of proteins that combine with an unmodified pre-mRNA molecule and other proteins. And let me just make it clear, this unmodified pre-mRNA molecule is the snRNA, the SNRNA that I was talking about, okay? So you have SNRNA and you have SNRPs, and these come together and they form the spliceosome. The spliceosome is actually a, a SNRP and an SR, snRNA molecule and some other protein molecules. Um, and so, you know, you're familiar with the, the spliceosome, right? It, it causes a, it causes, um, it, it actually does processing. Uh, it cuts out the introns. Um, and uh, more specifically, it performs two sequential transesterification reactions to cut the introns out and then it ligates the two remaining exons. So you're already familiar with that, but just remember that uh, that the cutting of the intron specifically is a sequential transesterification reaction that occurs twice for each uh, intron or for each side of the intron, uh, and then it ligates the two exons. So that's the spliceosome. So we see that snRNA, because you know, for those of you who are kind of losing me, snRNA forms the spliceosome. Okay, so therefore, as we can see. SNRNA is very much involved in processing pre-mRNA. And going back to what I said at the beginning, most nCRNAs participate in transcription and translation. Every single molecule that I've mentioned participates in some part of the protein synthesis pathway. Uh, and even the last one that I haven't talked about also does it. So let me finish up the module now with the last, the fifth and final RNA molecule. It's known as SNOW RNA or SNO RNA, uh, which stands for small nucleolar RNA. Uh, and so this, this RNA molecule, it guides covalent modifications of tRNA, rRNA, and small nuclear RNA, or SNRNA, um, via methylation or pseudouridylation. Okay, methylation you're already familiar with, this is the addition of a methyl group. Pseudouridylation is the addition of a uridine isomer. Okay, uh, and uridine is just a nucleoside. Remember that nucleosides are just dephosphorylated, um, uh, dephosphorylated nucleotides. So it, a nucleoside is a nucleotide without the phosphate group. The way I remember that is that nucleotide, the T stands for three, or like tri, but three is better. And then, um, and so that's three. In other words, it has three components, right? It has the sugar, it has the phosphate group, and it has the the nitrogenous base, right? So those are the three components of a nucleotide. A nucleoside is everything that I just mentioned without the phosphor phosphate group. So it has the sugar and it has the nitrogenous base. So uridine is just a nucleoside. Um, and so pseudouridylation is the addition of a uridine isomer. That snow RNA um, guides these, these covalent modifications. These two things that I mentioned, methylation and pseudouridylation, are nothing more than protein modifications. And you're probably an expert on that, that by now because that was one of the longest episodes I ever recorded. Um, so that is snow RNA. So I know that, you know, this module wasn't as long as the other ones, but I still want to make a brief summary because I know I included so many acronyms. 
Um, so let's begin. <clears throat> NCRNAs are non-coding RNAs, which are molecules that don't do that don't undergo translation because they're already ready to perform tasks. Uh, and most ncRNAs participate in transcription and translation. Number one is tRNA, you know what that is. Number two is rRNA, you know what that is. Number three was myrna or microRNA. And this is involved in gene silencing via translational repression. So it fills all the binding sites to prevent it from binding to the ribosome or target degradation, where it binds to an, RNA, an mRNA molecule, which marks that mRNA molecule for death. Uh, or, or degradation. <laughs> um, uh, number uh, four was small nuclear RNA or SNRNA. And this is one of the components of the spliceosome combined with SNRPs. Um, and one thing that I didn't mention that I probably should have, it's not really too important, but the spliceosome consists of SNRNA molecules and SNRPs, which are those protein complexes. And then there are other proteins. Uh, just to give you a relative amount of each type molecule type, there are in the spliceosome approximately five SNRNAs, so the RNA molecules, small nuclear RNA molecules, um, uh, there are approximately five. And on conversely, there is 150 plus SNRPs, so those protein complexes. So the spliceosome is definitely a majority of those protein, protein complexes, and a small portion of it is SNRNAs. Um, so just you know, thought I'd mention that. So that was SNRNA, right? Uh, that, that forms the spliceosome. Remember that spliceosome performs two sequential transesterification reactions to cut out the intron and then ligates the two remaining exons. Um, so that's SNRNA. Finally, we're left with SNOW RNA or small nucleolar RNA, and this guides covalent modifications such as methylation and pseudouridylation.